Hey everybody, welcome to tonight's Late Night Happy Hour. Whoops, my microphone is backwards. Use the open eye, Frank. Hey everybody, welcome to tonight's Late Night Happy Hour. Speaking into the correct part of the microphone, Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Oddly Kamenetsky. enough, it sounded no different. It might not, but I just know be, you're it would be in to your talk head. into this side. It would be in your head for the entire hour. So you want to make sure that well, you're doing it correctly. It's not even so much that. It's like then you you look up at the end of the hour and all of a sudden like it didn't sound right. And then well, no, you know, I'm telling you, it sounded fine. Well, but it's you, look, you've I mean, not noticed the couple times when I haven't been plugged in. So uh well no I, I did notice it. I just didn't say anything. Why? <laughs> Because it was joyous. <laughs> on no, 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 not plugged in where people can't hear me. Plugged in like where I'm coming through the wrong speaker. Why would you do that? Why would you intentionally make the sound of less quality if you noticed? No, that I can't tell. Well, that's my point. So there we go. I fixed it. Anyway, um, let me tell you something, Andy. Preseason basketball remains as absolutely uninteresting <laughs> as it did before the pandemic. It's nice to know that 2020 can't change everything. Uh, Lakers win 87-81 over the Clippers at Staples Center in the uh, inaugural game of the 2020-2021 season. Um, it wasn't totally uh, uninteresting. We'll talk about uh, we'll talk about you know some of the things that were were kind of interesting out of it, but much more uh, about the people who didn't play tonight for the Lakers. Let me make sure I got the full list. Andy, help me out. Uh, LeBron, no. AD. KCP, Markeith Markeith Morris, Mark Gasol. Yep, five pretty notable players. Are those guys? Those guys to review are important parts of the team. They are more or less the starting lineup. Four fifths of what I would, (laughs) I would bet big money will be the starting lineup. So. so at least for one night, Dennis Schroeder is, in fact, the starting point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers, as he wants to be. Can't believe the Lakers caved that quickly. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, in this game, if they didn't start him? Sorry, you got to earn that spot, Dennis. No, I just – I think actually what they – I mean, now their asses are covered because if – Vogel ultimately decides to play him off the bench. He can say, I gave you an honest look, Dennis. It wasn't right, what start, I needed. It started the first game of the year. Yeah. Look, man, what, what more do you want? I, I gave you a look. It's not, it wasn't what I wanted, but don't come at me, bro. Like, I'm a coach of my word. Yeah. We are not the kind of people um, who are going to pretend that we found incredible intrigue. Or, or all this, you know, hidden meaning well, or something in a preseason game. It's not necessarily true. I mean, last season when the preseason began, it's your first look at LeBron and AD. I'm not. That's not lie. hidden. But that's I, something. I would, that's not hidden. That's actually interesting stuff. Well, like this I, is I, this is I different. Well, look, if it was the entire roster together, I would have found it more intriguing. Right. But, it wasn't. Right. But I was also going to say, I think the biggest thing. I mean, because I don't want to just. I, you know, make the obvious easy jokes of crapping on preseason basketball. No, I, there's, I think there it's are also, things that are worth getting into. About, right, like, but I, you know, well, I'm not going to make it into a bigger deal than it was. No, I, I, sure. I was just going to say it also feels anticlimactic when we were watching championship basketball two months ago. Like, typically, yeah. you've gone four or five months without basketball. So you're just more generally excited to have it because it's been away. In this particular case, we actually just had it. It hasn't really been that long, so there feels like less of an anticipatory buildup towards it. But you have to you have to go away for me to miss you. Exactly. Um, that's that's more of what I'm getting at. Like there could be a scenario where even if it was just half these guys, it oh. might have seemed more exciting relatively. But tonight, just for a bunch more, of reasons, wasn't it? A little bit more exciting. But sure. like if you're a Pistons fan. And tonight, you, you we haven't seen a Detroit Pistons game in like, right. like exactly. 11 months. Exactly. They were probably excited. And they sure. were very upset with Jeremy Grant, who went one for 11 tonight. So um, th- there were a couple interesting things that did come out of this game. Like You can't sit here and try to evaluate what Montrez Harrell is going to look like with everybody else and Schroeder. Like, when you're missing that many people, the, the parts that you're missing matter. You can, though, I think, look at, at guys like – Taylor Horton Tucker and um, even like Devontae Kaycock and guys like that, because this actually is a year where everyone is going to play. Like, like yeah, they're, yeah. they're going to, at some point, 
whether because of injuries, because of load management, because of COVID or whatever, you're going to need everyone on the roster. And this actually plays into something that I know we're going to get into a little bit later about some of the roster decisions the Lakers have made. But when you look at it, you know, Andy, all week long, uh, Frank Vogel, when asked, hey, who's looked good, the same sort of training camp questions over and over again, repeatedly, Horton Tucker, Horton Tucker, Horton Tucker. And you kind of, I mean, 6 to 17 from the floor the efficiency wasn't there but the overall game you could totally see what he was talking about yeah he he was very confident and aggressive he was he was taking as you noted a lot of shots but he was driving towards the basket sometimes a bit out of control and sped up you you can tell that he's still a young guy that relative to a lot of his teammates has not played right. a lot of basketball you know at, at, at this level but at the same time you know he's He's got a lot of, I think, raw but tangible versatility. He's really strong for his age. You know, he he is a strong kid. He is capable of moving defenders out of his way while driving. You know, he he is also, I think, gaining confidence. And you know, we saw some of this in the bubble. You know, Frank Vogel sure. talked up uh, THT in the bubble, and he played, I think, fine. But then during the during the playoffs, he actually got some significant minutes. And in those minutes, I think by by and large, actually played quite well, especially when you consider the context of he had barely played the entire season. So, you know, there there was, I think, a lot, if nothing else, to get intrigued by with uh, THT. And we're definitely going to see more of him over the course of these preseason games. Sure. It's you know, we we, we have seen enough basketball. <laughs> You can kind of, yeah, I, I, I don't know how, like what his ceiling is, what his floor, like, he, but you can tell when a guy looks like a like a real NBA player at this point, and when he doesn't, and you know, you can he's he does. I mean, and given where they drafted him, uh, given what he makes, and given his age, it's it's really important. Like this, this, these are the types of things that if he turns into a real player. Um, the kind of guy I'm not talking about an all-star. I'm not talking about like, you know, a, a frontline starter, but like a legitimate member of the, of a rotation on a good team. And tonight he had nine rebounds, four assists, three steals, um, hit all six of his free throws, which is a good thing on, on this team. Like the, the ability to take a kid like that and drop him into your rotation where he can be a reliable part of it for however many years, that's how a team like the Lakers, maintain success while they have to keep churning around their really high-priced stars. And like, you know, the the lob that he had to Kaycock in the first half and a couple, you know, you know, really nice plays coming off screens, very confident taking the the three-point shot, very comfortable handling the ball smooth, not rushed. You know, he, he didn't seem like like I mean, he's still only 20, right? He just turned 20. Just turned 20. Like if they win again, he still can't drink. Yeah, it's going to be a while. I mean, he it's it's going to be a minute before he can legally celebrate with his teammates. I, I was actually thinking about with with THT and you know, obviously, like you were saying, the 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 importance of him potentially developing into a rotation player just because of the Lakers having so little youth on this team and also so few assets. They they gave up a lot of draft capital in the Anthony Davis trade, and also too. You know, to maximize the the salary possibilities, moving out Isak Bonga and Mo Wagner, and you know these these are things that, by the way, the Lakers did the right thing. Uh, nobody would ever second guess this, but it still leaves them with a pretty you know empty cupboard. I was actually thinking about watching THT in this game, and this is a long ways from a possibility. And I want to make it clear: this is me purely spitballing, thinking off the top of my head. It has nothing to do with anything I've heard about actually being a possibility, but if THT looks like he can legitimately be in the rotation this year, like, like a 10th man, but somebody that you can put on right. the floor for 12 minutes a night and you're good. And you know, he, he doesn't hurt you in any way. You could at least explore the possibility of trading Kuzma for a future first. If that possibility was there, because that's really the only thing at this point you can trade Kuzma for in terms of tangible impact. Because he just makes too little money, right? You know, so and other than other than a sign and trade possibility, because I don't wait. So so you say like you get a a first in return for Kuz? Yes, yes. Do you think? 
Yes. Do you think Kyle Kuzma fetches yes. a first rounder? Yes, absolutely. From who? I don't know. I'd have, I again, yeah, it has to be not a good one. I, I sure, that's fine. They could use a low first round pick. I, I think I, they could do that because the reason I'm saying this is well, let's because, finish this and then get back to the Kuz right. thing. The, the, the reason I'm saying this is just because if Kuz is not long for the Lakers in terms of his future with this team, and you and I both have suspected that he's not. Just did, because he sound, did he sound on media day like a guy or in his first media interview this year, like right. a guy who felt like he was going to be around for a while? No, exactly. And I mean, there are a lot of different reasons that he might not be the, the biggest two being the two best players on this team in a lot of ways play his position. And there just may not be as many opportunities for him. And in terms of maximizing Kuzma as an asset, if he's not part of the long-term plans, we had always talked about the best way might have been to attach him to Danny Green for an impact player. They ended up attaching a pick to Danny Green to get Schroeder, which again, we both like that deal. But in terms of maximizing the possibilities with Kuzma, you could either try to sign and trade him in the offseason, right. or you could potentially move him for, again, like a, a low first, which or I so, think could or be- just something of value. If it's sure, not a something, pick, something. Right. I just, I think there would, I think it would be difficult to get an impact player at his salary because most of them be young guys. And if they could be impactful, the team's going to want to hang on to them. Right. So I think it would be more likely a first, which by the way, this team could actually use. They don't have a lot of draft capital. They don't. So um, that, that's my point. I, Again, it's nothing that I suspect they're looking to do. It's just something I was thinking about that could hinge on THT making progress. I think that there, there was some evidence just based on kind of how they went about filling out the roster that they think he can give them some sort of two, three minutes. Um, <laughs> kid, kid from NYC says, don't trade Kuz. I need the Cambros to say the Lakers have renounced Kyle Kuz. And that is a, I, I appreciate that because there's nothing I enjoy more in the NBA than renouncing. It is, uh, it is my favorite thing that you get. So- in the NBA unnecessarily dramatic. I Isn't it? it? It's just, it, it is over-the-top fantastic. No, it, it's, it's renounced like, Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, it, I mean, renouncing is for like a 13th century king banishing his disloyal brother into the forest or something That's like right. that. I renounce you to our family birthright. Like, or like in, in uh, Game of Thrones, where you have those people that live up in the, cla- the sky, they, they throw the people through the big hole in the floor and then they just fall forever. Like, that's what you do. Like, it, I... But there was some evidence that they they think that the kid can play a little bit, and and it's funny to watch him because he is. You can see why physically he lasted until he did. Keeping in mind that he's in much better shape now than he was then. He's he's like sort of a, a backcourt version, a wing version of of Harrell in the sense that he's you know very sawed off for his position. You know Harrell at six seven as a center. Uh, Horton Tucker listed at 6'4 on the wing, but he's 6'4, like 235. I mean, he is a big dude. And even at 20 tonight, was kind of shoving people around a little bit, doing like YMCA old man, like strength kind of moves, which were really impressive. But his, he, 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 he looks like he was put together with like the leftover parts of about seven different human beings. You know, when he dribbles, like you see those moments where he's like kind of down in the in like a, a crouch and he's moving up the floor. His arms are so long, it's almost just like he's just tapping the ball on the floor. It it barely looks like he's he's so weird looking. But you know, as Sector Cruz says, like the the wingspan is insane. I, and I the arm length is insane. But he can I, pass. He can rebound. He can do a lot of stuff. I when you're talking about how just oddly. Oddly built he is, for a, a lack of a more elegant way of putting it. I, I wrote about for The Athletic last year when, when we were doing – you and I were writing different uh, – this series called Best Case, Worst Case Scenario for all the different players on the team. And I was talking about with THT, like everybody has body issues to some degree and everybody's self-conscious about some part of their physical appearance or the way they're built or whatever. And – at some point in your life, everybody thinks they have the weirdest body on the planet. THT actually has the weirdest body on the planet because he he's like he's like this sawed off, you know, like a sawed off Chuck Hayes, but with 
uh, Carl Anthony Towns's wingspan. <laughs> like it's really bizarre the way he's built. He's like he's like equal parts shooting guard and center, but without mm-hmm. like anything truly defined yet in the way that he'll use that physicality. But there, there really is a lot of potential there, and it's pretty exciting to watch. Yeah, I mean, and again, they're going to need it. I mean, you look down, I, mean, I thought, you know, I, I thought like Kaycock, for example, looked like a guy that is... <laughs> Cameron Porter says THT was called a hefty playmaker in college. Is that There's, is no, that no, there's no, like, look, as somebody... First of all, Ahmed, shut up. <laughs> shut up, Ahmed Youssef, saying that... You know, I, I, I am, I am awkward physically. I said everybody feels this way. I didn't say all you peons feel this way. I wouldn't know what it feels like. I said everybody right. does. This is what an Adonis like through. myself. Right. I mean, you know, th- this isn't going to be for everybody. I mean, everyone. Well, I went it. jogging today. This doesn't. This doesn't just happen, Andy. I mean, it requires maintenance. But uh, but uh, that's actually yeah. that's actually a frightening thought. This. Mm-hmm. Just to yeah. get, just to keep this yeah. requires maintenance. I can't believe you had all that work done, and this is what it looks like. I know. I I broke my nose in college. I played for people who don't know. I played rugby in college, uh, which, as it turns out, was a stupid idea. Um, but I played rugby in college, and I broke my nose um, at Fort Campbell. We played Fort Campbell. I went to Vanderbilt. We played Fort Campbell, the mili- the, the army base. Um, in a game of rugby. They were not good at rugby. Like, we would win those games, but they were physically, you might find this hard to believe, tougher than we were. Mm. Um, So I broke my nose, and I got back to campus, and they put it back, and whatever. And when I was done, they were like, did you get a nose job? (laughs) Yes, I did. I said, give me this. <laughs> like I had this like, you know, little delicate nose, you know, uh, before. And I said, no, 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 let's beef that sucker up. Um, you know, uh, something fierce. Uh, that was, I always found that question to be a little bit strange. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I understand what it, what it is to have a weird looking body. I mean, he truly is a unique and just physical makeup. I mean, like, it's hard to find a comp for THT. Like, it really, like, I really thought it when I, I don't know how to buy shirts. How do you, how do you, I actually, I hope, that. I hope he makes at least a couple NBA contracts because at 6'4 with arms that look like they belong on a seven footer, I don't, he cannot buy shirts. I actually wrote that in my piece that I want to go shopping with THT, not because I want him to buy me clothes or anything like that or make me part of the shopping expedition. I just want to see what that looks like. Because, you know, he's he's making enough money that he can look for something, you know, a little bit better than just off the rack, but not so he's not, much. He's not at bespoke money yet. Right, yeah. exactly. So I, I want to see I want to see exactly what that looks like. Um, did anything else stick out in terms of, of guys? This is funny, actually. Uh, Adrian underscore Edward. Did anyone else laugh when they saw PG Paul George miss a layup in the first quarter? I didn't laugh, but I knew everyone else was. I literally <laughs> thought about that watching it. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about this last night. We we should we should talk a little bit of uh, more about the the uh the the, the Paul George contract because it, it it's truly fascinating and gets into so many of the things that are complicated about the NBA and and these, you know, the the, the need to have stars, the things you have to do to get them, and why like Giannis why AD were so are so valuable and so consequential. Um, but before we do that though, any anybody else stick out to you? Like, you know, I thought Schroeder looked fine. You know, Wes Matthews, you know, hit a three early, kind of looked like exactly what you would think Wes Matthews would look like. Um, um, I think Montrez, I think Montrez Harrell, just how hard he plays mm-hmm. is a fun to watch, B can be really contagious. But it's going to help them a lot in the regular season. Yeah, you, you know, that was something else I thought about while, while watching this game, Brian, just because there has been, especially now as you're starting to see like season previews and The, the Athletic has uh, a really good piece. I, I want to say Sam Amick collected uh, all the quotes, but talked to a few front ex, a few front office execs and also scouts about both the Lakers and the Clippers and the moves they've made. And th- there is a pretty big... 
there's there is a lot of uh, hand wringing or questions about Montrez Harrell in terms of what the Lakers can really do with him in the playoffs, and and that he might not be that big of a factor for them, and that he might be uh, in matchups kind of difficult to put on the floor. And honestly, that may be the case. I don't care. I don't care at all because they need just as much help in the regular season, yes, given absolutely. the context of everything they've gone through, you know, this quick turnaround and the mileage on LeBron, all the stuff that AD's been through. I don't care if Montrez Harrell is largely a regular season guy. That's really right. valuable for this. I, I agree. And I, I think, you know, you know, uh, uh, you know, he, he Tim. Uh, I don't even know Tim's last name, but he he, uh, he does the uh, Lakers exceptionalism podcast, and then you know is a great follow on Twitter. Yeah, he is. Um, you know, Cranjus McBasketball um, pointed out, like, and it's the same thing with the Clippers. Like, you can't context changes players. Anthony Davis with a different coaching staff is going to look different on, or sorry, uh, Montrezl Harrell with a different coaching staff and different players around him is going to look different on the Lakers. Doesn't mean he's going to be perfect, but you can, you know, and he's not going to suddenly turn into a defensive player of the year candidate. But it it also means that the the things that teams like the Lakers were able to exploit last year might not be as easy to exploit this year. And he pointed out some things that were going on with the Clippers that you know could have them set up to use personnel better next year also noted that Tyloo probably improves them from you know from a, in a lot of ways which is something that I know we've both talked about yeah um, I, I actually think Ty is a better overall coach than Doc Rivers um but you know like even if like you said even if, like the ability to get you know LeBron and ad through a regular season with a decent seed and healthy and fresh for the playoffs that's what yes. you need. Yes. If Montrez Harrell's primary value is the regular season, say he's like a 30-minute-a-night guy in the regular season, 32 minutes, and in the playoffs, he's down to, say, 24. Because Great. certain matches, you don't, Okay. Whatever. I don't, I don't care. Like, that's, that is valuable for this particular season. It's something we've talked about before, Brian. I think – the context of this particular year with the quick turnaround, I think that dictated a lot of decisions the Lakers made in the offseason smartly where they focused as much, if not more, on the regular season than thinking ahead to the playoffs because they already know what this team can do in the playoffs. Yeah, but they need to make sure they get there in the best place possible. Correct. Um, so, you know, I, I thought that stuff looked fine. I thought uh, our Antetokounmpo still does not look like an NBA player quite yet. Got to keep him But, but keep him. oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I <laughs> get rid of him. Not I mean, yet. you can do it quickly. As soon as uh, Big Brother signs that contract, you can let him go. But not until then. You've kept not him this yet. long. Mm -hmm. um, I did, I, you know, I, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but I did think that, like, Devontae Kaycock, who's another guy who's sort of undersized and he, he actually has a lot of the same qualities as Harold, um, looks like somebody you could put on the floor. And then again, in a season where every member of these 17 that you have, 16 the Lakers are carrying right now, including the two way guys, are probably going to need to play. And one of them is is Costas, who probably can. <laughs> um, it matters that Kaycock can play. Like you're gonna you're gonna have a week where you need Kaycock to play 22 minutes over four games, like for four games, and he could probably do it. And I think that will be beneficial to them. Um, yeah, you know, because they're gonna have to protect a lot of the, a lot of these other dudes. So um, that those are those are really the things that I, I mean. I'm, I'm not even necessarily that like you know, like, what are you looking for for Sunday? I don't know who's going to play. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know until we know who's actually going to be active. Yeah. I mean, um, the Paul George thing, they had to do it. Yes, they did. They but did he's going to be making, I saw the number $49 million at age 35. What are your odds on Paul George being, a $49 million player at 35. I mean, 
there aren't that many players who are worth that type of money in their primes, much less at that age. I mean, you know, that, that sort of max scale, whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm, I mean, you know, what, you know what I'm saying? Like there, there are a lot of guys that really, really good players, like, you know, all-star, even all NBA caliber players that you think about that price point, nearly you know, $50 million. You're like, mm. I mean, you know, LeBron's worth it. Giannis is worth it. Anthony Davis, probably worth it. Kawhi, I think, on balance is worth it. If Steph can come back to the way Steph looked, maybe Steph. You know, my my issues with Harden, you know, I think his presence and effect on a locker room and how difficult he is to play with, I, I could see the argument, even if I personally wouldn't want to pay him that. Harden's game, actually, especially since it's uh, not predicated on defense, actually should age reasonably well. Uh, not that well. I, I don't know. But it, the point being, there are not that many players that in their primes you'd be excited about pay, play, uh, paying nearly $50 million. George, the health reasons alone would scare you. That's what I'm getting at. I mean, you know, forget the the, you know, the two-way athleticism if he turns out – you know, you, you lose a step defensively. You lose like he his value is not being dominant at any one thing. It's being excellent at many things. And so, if you start to erode just little bits of it, you know, like he's oh, he's a half step slower defensively. Oh, he can't quite get off on the dribble as much anymore. He becomes much more of an ordinary jack of all trades guy rather than you know what they hope is you know a not quite elitist of the elite but you know top 10 to 15 ish player whatever it is you know much more the guy who was a, a an mvp candidate for a little while a couple of years ago it gets to why like the lakers landing on anthony davis as their star as opposed to carmelo anthony as opposed to lamarcus aldridge what was so important like and why everybody will do literally anything to get Giannis if he becomes a is because if you can get one of those guys when they're in their 20s and you lock them up for five years I mean Davis is going to be 33 I think at the at the end of his 32 33 something like that at the end of his contract 34 but he's, he's 27 now I 27 think. now so 32 I guess at the end of it um you know and he's a much better player now so you know it, it's it's not even like you're talking about equivalent players, but one's just going to be older. One's way better already and younger. Giannis is better than, you know, way better than Paul George and younger. And it, it, the Clippers had no choice. They have to re-sign him. They have to re-sign Kawhi. But they're going to be – that that has the potential to be really ugly in a few years, even if they – even if it turns out well – and they could be blocked by the Lakers the entire time. They might which I'm be. Sure, makes Lakers fans sad. But they might be. But the Clippers are in win now mode. They are an extreme win now Absolutely. mode. And and look, as much as Paul George can be a lightning rod for criticism and polarization, as I mentioned yesterday, the jokes. I mean, Paul Paul George is a magnet for just incredible jokes, just top shelf stuff. He still is a really good player. He is still one of the best two-way wings in this game. And two-way wings are an incredible commodity in today's NBA. And for the time being, even if, even if he is not capable of being a number one option for a contending team that you can build around, he is absolutely capable of being one of the top components for a team like that. Oh, and yeah. there are not a lot of guys in the NBA like that. I mean, there just aren't. It's, so if it's it's, it's, it's the quarterback debate that we have, it's sure. like you know when you have a guy you don't love him, you know I don't love Jared Goff. I I every every single time we have a football person on this show, I'm like I I need you to exp I need you to walk me right. off the ledge with Jared Goff. I'm not proposing you get rid of him because I don't think they can find someone easily who's better. If you consider Jared Goff like a top 15 to 20 quarterback in the league, it's really hard to find somebody better than that. Better. It's I mean, harder than I think somebody, somebody capable of playing at that you know, sort of top it 10, top 15. than people realize. Absolutely. And guys like that get paid. Guys like Paul George get paid, and they should get paid. You just hope that the timing is right. 
Like that's ultimately the point is you just try – if you can line this up to where the Clippers win a championship over the next you know couple years, assuming they end up getting Kawhi for the next few, if nothing else, and you win a championship, that is worth every penny – of what will eventually be a bad Paul George oh, deal. Oh, completely. The, Absolutely what, worth it. What makes it so bump? What's such a bummer? for the Clippers. Oh, for, of, if they anything into the finals, it's a it's an improvement. I mean, even uh, they were noting on the broadcast, the Spectrum broadcast, like they, they have not been out of the second round, like ever. Um, there is some space for this team to go. They, um, the. Uh, yeah, the, the situation that the the Clippers are in, though, it just again, it gets to what is so difficult about the NBA. You know, go ask Carl Malone. It, your time, you can't time this stuff. You got to go get guys when you can get them. You got to make the move when you can get them. But like, as good as the Clippers are, and they really are good, as you know, Lakers fans like to mock them. Well, it's fun. They're not better than the Lakers right now. Like, they have to show that they're better than the Lakers, and foundationally. If you look at best players with best players over the next couple seasons, they're not in position to get better easily than the Lakers. And this is arguably as good as they've ever been. It just it's it's like it's it's a big fucking bummer if you're a Clippers fan. Like well, there's just no way to get around it. It's potentially a big bummer. But like we've talked about, if this team comes back with the right mindset and right attitude, they're going to be really good. Like it's it's not like they're locked into something where you're like, holy shit, this cannot get better. Oh yeah, like, where you know you're you like, know where, you're not going to be able to right. get better. Well, you just realize we made a terrible mistake, and we can't get out of this thing. Like this is what it is, or you know, the only way to disassemble it really quickly is to just start you know, trading off every asset you have to move guys. They're, they're not in this place. Like when they traded, like that, that when they, that, what was it, a couple of years ago where they traded for the wrong Brooks? <laughs> uh, Marshawn versus Marshawn. Yeah. They were like, Oh shit. Like that, like that kind of mistake. Like, wait, we signed that onto Takumpo to a max deal. Exactly. Like they're, oh, they're not, man, a, they're not in a bad place, but it, no. it needs to work. You know, it, it needs to work out. So we'll we'll see if it does. It's just it is so hard. Like football, baseball, like basket. The thing that makes these guys just so valuable is you know if you have the two best players, one of the best, like you're going to win. Um, all right. So the other the other bit of big news today uh, was more from Kyrie Irving, and you actually Andy did this better than I did. You actually got the statement, put it into our little. Um, toolbar here so people can see it. I, I, I had it loaded up here. I was going to share my screen. Your way is better. Um, if you missed it, you know, he starts off by quoting Malcolm X. Always, always a great start. Yep. For, for this particular scenario, nothing better than uh, utilizing or, and uh, invoking the name of Malcolm X, one of the, one right. of the great uh, civil rights leaders of our time. Strong start. Similar, very similar situations. Um, the struggles pray, are the same, so it, it's yeah, a good. Move. I pray we use utilize the get my quote fingers in here. Fine money uh, for the marginalized communities in need, especially where our world is presently. I am, I am here for peace, love, and greatness. So stop disturbing me and my team, and appreciate the art capitalized. Uh, we need. Uh, we move different over here. I do not talk to pawns. My attention is worth more. First of all, uh, Kyrie, as a member of the Players Association, ought to know that actually the fines do go. I don't know if necessarily exactly to marginalized communities, but they definitely go towards charitable causes. So, I mean, that it, it feels like something he ought to be more familiar with, if nothing Excellent. else. Look, I am broadly sympathetic to the idea that, you know, yeah, the media, I personally, I think, you know, these guys need to recognize the value of the media. Um, and if you do it correctly, if you do it right, you know the media can be something that works for you and not against you. That said, there are a lot of us who are do bad work, who are lazy. Yes. Uh, the aggregation, the social media, all these other things. He he's not. It's not that he has no valid points to make. Good God, that's a douchey statement. <laughs> you just it's like that. Is, it's just insufferable. Like if you like, that's the statement of the guy. And Andy and I both went to like prep school. It's like so much like the, like 
guy who just wants to be known as smarter and deeper and on a nexter level than everybody else than he is. And Kyrie's a smart guy. That's not the point. He ain't that much smarter than the rest of us. Yeah, this is the thing. I mean, he is a special player, you know, particularly as a scorer. He is maybe the best finisher at his size I've ever seen. And in certain ways, he is definitely a special player. He also considers himself a special thinker, which I'm not convinced yet. But even if he is, he does not have a special gift for conveying his thoughts in a way that are that are clear and easily decipherable, which is really right. important if you consider yourself this next level abstract. It, is. it you know, really is this this sort of you know. New frontier you know, type you know, of worldview. You know what kind of people generally don't have to work hard to convince people that they're special thinkers? Special thinkers. Special thinkers. That's exactly right. Well, I mean, this is uh, Bamani Jones was on Rich Eisen today, and he summed it up really well in just pointing out nobody knows what the hell Kyrie's really even talking about or why he's doing this. And he keeps presenting himself as this guy who feels either misunderstood or misrepresented or both by the media, but won't just explain what he's doing and why in a way that's even sort of clear. And it raises the question of just, does he have an end game? Like, does Kyrie have a goal in mind with all this? Like, is there a point to this or he's just trying to make a statement in his head, if nothing else? Because there's a big difference between having a point versus trying yeah. to make a statement. Particularly his position. I think that there's, I think there are a few things going on here. I mean, first of all, like the media is different now. There's a, I also think the, the move, the movement that people have towards being more than an athlete to, to fight, shut up and dribble, um, which, you know, I, it, 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 every one of these guys should do if that's what they want to do. Like they, the, these are human beings and it's long, we are long past the point where we, where we, you know, kind of recognize that about athletes, that they are not simply commodities that they are now, you know, I think yeah. the NBA has been hurt by talking about players as assets and salary slots and all these other things. They are human beings. They are people like I've, I've told the story a bunch of times. I felt like an ass last year, you know, making the easy Paul George jokes after he's like, oh, by the way, I'm kind of depressed in here because it's really hard. Um, that said, I do think sometimes guys try too hard. Like they, they want so hard to be known as more than an athlete to, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be defined just by my job either. I want to, I don't want to be the guy and we see it in media. I don't want to be just the sports guy. I want to be able to go do politics. I want to be able to go do this, that, and whatever. And sometimes I think you find um, Kyrie's been watching Queen's Gambit, says uh, Padfoot Studios. Does anybody actually, can somebody leave on the chat? What actually is the Queen's Gambit? I loved the show. It is, I believe, uh, it's a move. I know, or, I know that. But like, what is it? Like, what oh, is I, I mean, in chess? What is the Queen's Gambit? That's too uh, granular for me to explain. I, I, I'm sure you could. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, that's just, problem. It's, it's too it's hard. It's like Kyrie trying to explain what what's going on right now with like, the media. Exactly. Like I just, I'm just saying, watching the show, I expected at some point somebody to like move a piece and everybody like Queen's Gambit right there. Right. That's what it was. Never happened. No, that was no spoiler. There. It doesn't ruin the series, but there was no actual mention of a Queen's Gambit anywhere in there. Like I just, I think sometimes guys try are trying too hard in the same way that we all try, you know, too hard in, in our daily lives at, um, some. at something. And to some degree, I think that's where Kyrie is. Like when you start talking about, you know, appreciate the art and this and that it, it's, it's, it's not right or wrong. It's like you're insufferable at this point. You are the worst road trip partner I can think of in the NBA bar none. Yeah. I, I tweeted out like if Kyrie is this insufferable, as a basketball player who considers himself an artist, think how insufferable he'd be as an actual artist with something profound to say. And it's funny when he talked about, 
you know, he doesn't talk to pawns, the pawns, presumably the media in this case. And I want to make it clear, like we said before, I don't care if Kyrie doesn't like the media, if he considers members of the media, and you and I would be included in this, broadly speaking, you know, to be a bunch of disingenuous asshats. Like, I'm, I'm good with that. I don't care. I don't care if he ever speaks to the media again. Well, it's his choice is either good well, or bad or whatever. Well, I mean. It works for him or it I, doesn't. I care to some degree, and I'll explain the reason why. I'm, I want to make the point, though, just I'm not offended on behalf of media. I, as we've talked about this before, many right, That's times, what I'm saying. I don't care I, on behalf of me right. and my job as a member of the media. Right. I don't I care. Think, I think a lot of times uh, the, the whole post-practice, pre-post-game scrum, you know, that whole dance can be really stupid. There's a lot of reporters that I think don't ask as good a questions as they could, often not really asking from a place of true inquisitiveness or curiosity, and players can sniff that out, and that can get old, and they can tell when guys are just trying to create headlines mm -hmm. in the questions that they ask. To be fair, a lot of times they get asked very generic, easy questions, and Kyrie's sort of lumping it all together, but the real pawns in Kyrie's game that he's describing right now are actually his teammates that can't afford to just piss away fine money by skipping media the way he is too, because Kyrie got fined uh, 25K. And if he keeps doing this, I'm guessing it'll be another 25K or more, depending on how long he keeps going. They're the ones actually that are become pawns in this because they're left how they the dry while, right. he while they have to ask, not just answer questions just about Kyrie, but no, just have about, to they have to answer all the questions about the team, about right. everything. And he's supposed to be one of the leaders of this team. He's supposed to be a franchise face Mm -hmm. It's just god awful leadership. Like, I mean, that that's actually the part of it that I find most off putting. It's not because he dislikes the media or somehow this is coming up my industry. I don't give a shit. It's just really repellent, to be honest, watching him <laughs> treat his teammates as right. so disposable. And it's just, and you know, the, it, there's a dismissiveness of what they are doing. And like, you know, like, this like it, there is a line at which you cross like i don't i don't pretend that what we do is important in the same way that like the people at moderna looking for the vaccine for coronavirus like it's not or but i still or embedded journalists you know in like a or like war torn uh a war-torn shitty. The, the people doing the work in the metro section are doing more, <laughs> far more important work. I mean, far more important work than what we do. Touche. But that doesn't mean I don't take what I do seriously. I don't. I try not to take myself that seriously, but I try to take the work seriously. I take the you know putting on this show. Like we put a lot of time in, like trying to find guests five nights a week and you know, <laughs> ten o'clock at night. It ain't easy, people. Um, you know, and, and, or, you know, writing a good story or putting together a good, whatever it is, I try to take the work seriously because if somebody's going to take the time to consume it, I want it to be good. And I think there's a, there's a, there's a line between recognizing that we play sports for a living and there are things that are far more important as last, as this summer showed us and the way the guys reacted and the, the the question of of going into the bubble and 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 all the unrest around the country showed clearly there's much more going on in the country that's more important than basketball. But at the same time there is a line where you start to become dismissive of what it is that you're doing. Um, you know, the, the, the importance and that you're being paid a lot of money to do a job and you're fortunate and people take it seriously and your teammates take it seriously. And a lot of people have a lot on the line. And I think part of the reason Kyrie struggles is to, to communicate, I think in a way that just doesn't come off as incredibly insufferable like it did today is that he, he doesn't, he kind of blows through that line. Um, well, you know, you know, LeBron, LeBron is very good at making clear yeah. there are things that are more important. He is yeah. also very clearly fully invested. Well, this is something we, we recently talked about with, with regards to James Harden and, you know, the 
the way camp right, started yeah, yeah. with the Rockets while he was out partying with, you know, little baby. And then, you know, all, all across the country in the middle of a pandemic, indoor situations, no masks, all of that. You and I are both are very supportive of the idea of <laughs> no beanie, but I don't have this. This is this, the hat that my, my, for my son's, uh, cooking like they have a like a cooking gardening class and this is the chef's hat that he decorated and wears during that class so i have this i don't have my beanie though you look like a i look like the worst pope ever (laughs) i'm just gonna say you look like a colorful pope yeah but like with, with james harden we were talking about how both of us really support the idea of player empowerment because for a long time, the scales of power were completely imbalanced. And I think in a lot of ways, ownership had power over players in a way that led to taking advantage of them. Or, you know, players didn't have enough agency that, it, that both of us felt that they had earned. So the idea that James Harden or Kyrie Irving or any superstar in the league would accumulate the type of power that they have and, the, you know, the ability to force certain things in their career, things like that. I think I speak for you when I say I'm good with that. I have no, I have no issues with that at all. I, I say literally, no pun intended, more power to them. But I feel like we're starting to reach a point in the player empowerment movement where players don't feel a sense anymore of actual accountability that right. goes with their power. Well, no, it's some, 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 not all, but some. some. And I think we're starting to see a trend with that, like where you're losing sight of the actual accountability that comes with this type of power and power without accountability in any setting is a potentially really bad thing. Andy, what did uncle Ben say? With great what power did uncle Ben tell Peter Parker? With great power comes great responsibility. That's exactly right. But, but you know what I'm saying though? I mean, like it, it's, it's potentially problematic in any type of setting. Much yeah. Like and- and I will say that I want to I want to definitely talk a little bit about the the the, the um, Star Wars stuff too. There maybe it's just because of the political season that we've just gone through, and the the Did events that we're currently in. Something going on. What? Now? Something going on. <laughs> Perhaps I haven't been watching the news. I lately. find there are very few people in the world that I find more irritating than. I'm the only one who sees the truth in your sheep guy. Yeah. I hate that guy. Yeah. I hate that guy in media. I hate that guy basically everywhere. I'm, you know, if you, I'm the only one who sees the truth, you're just a sheep. You know, I don't have to, you know, kind of prove my point. I don't have to uh, debate or be responsible for, um, for anything that I say or do, because I'm the only one who sees the truth. And if you don't see that I'm doing that, then you're just a sheep. I, I hate that guy. And yeah. the, the statement that Kyrie put out today is that guy. I don't talk to pawns. Well, I also hate, and this is something specific to our president, the inappropriate and random capitalization of words that do not need to be capitalized. Well, don't I mean, do that. I, That's more I, of a me thing. No, no. I, I, I tweeted this out the, during the first uh, of the Kyrie media boycotts. I think a big problem Kyrie has is that he likes to he likes to present himself, and I think he sees himself as this very expansive, different thinker on a different plane. And whether you agree, disagree, beside the point. But if you're going to be that type of guy, you have to welcome the idea of people questioning you, saying things that seem pretty damn out there. You know, and a lot of this began with Kyrie when it came to claiming that the earth was flat, which he said, then said he was kidding, then may not have been kidding. Then, you know, why why does it matter what I think one way or the other? Like Kyrie, I think, likes to see himself as somebody who's just on a different level. Yes. You know, he's he's like this, you know, he he's seeing things with his third eye, so to speak. <laughs> and great, whatever. I mean, like, I I welcome anybody who wants to try to challenge different paradigms and wants to try to challenge different norms. I think that's great. Honestly, I do. But you have to be willing to be challenged on that. And Kyrie seems very put off by the idea of, I just said this really out there shit and you're calling me out? 
like he seems really put off by that concept. Especially in his position, when you're as visible as him. I mean, it's funny, like, you know, Kyrie becomes an avatar for the larger discussion of is the media right or is like media responsibility? And I, you know, I lean They're one of the smartest columns I ever read about a person was one about Lena Dunham a few years ago when she was really starting to blow up. And she really was one of the only women in Hollywood that was wielding sort of influence and power and like, she was this avatar for a lot of stuff going on in, in Hollywood where you're like, do you, you know, women deserve more, you know, opportunities, you know, that she's the only one running a show. Like, why aren't there more women out there? Get and it became kind of a thing where either by liking or disliking Lena Dunham's work, and I'm not a big fan of girls. I didn't think it was that great a show. Granted, I'm not the demographic, whatever. It became kind of a either you either like Lena Dunham and support these things, or you don't like Lena Dunham, which means you don't. Um, and Kyrie, in a lot of ways, is sort of the avatar for that right now, where you either support like the idea that the media sucks, and therefore like, or you think Kyrie is being a pretentious kind of jerk, like insufferable, which means you don't believe that players you know, have a point about right, the way they speak their minds. They yeah. are not the same question. No, I can find Kyrie obnoxious and still find the underlying, a lot of the underlying truths, uh, you know, things that he's saying to be true. Uh, and I do, but God damn, that was a pretentious statement. It anyway, um, really quick, uh, Lakers on the mind had an interesting question with, with the stunts by Kyrie and Harden. So fresh in everyone's mind, what other player do you see making headlines this season? If you had to take a random guess, it's going to hmm. be Giannis through potentially no real fault of his own, but just everybody is going to be so focused on Giannis if he doesn't end up signing that extension. Yeah, I like, don't, That's just that's going that's to become a thing. I, it is a, different. It, it is, is different, different, but everything will be just I don't know. The way the Rockets looked, I saw a lot of people on Twitter that were like, you know, Harden's just be like right back in the camp. Like, hey, guys, this is great. Uh, you know, John Wall looked good. Boogie looked good. Everybody looked good. Well, I just um, I, I think it's just interesting though because Giannis illustrates how you can become a headline generator even if you're not looking for it. But I think the difference is Harden and and, and Kyrie here are in t are really going oh, out of their way to oh, make the absolutely. headlines. I'm trying to think of somebody. I, who is the who is the person who is in that sort of kind of weird spot where you know there's some way is it you know is it Bradley Beal, if it doesn't work out with Westbrook, that's not his personality. He's not going to do that. No. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's a good question. It, it I, I, I have no good answer for it. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Butler's, you know, Jimmy Butler's more than willing to do stuff like that, but he's very happy in Miami. He's happy where he is. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, Quinn's suggesting that it's Draymond Green. Maybe I I mean, look. I there. The Warriors are fascinating because of that. I don't. You know, the clay thing kind of scuttles them. I think they have a chance. To, I mean, I forget playoffs technically runs all the way through ten, but I still think of it as top eight. I think they are a fringy top eight team now in a really good Western Conference. Um, but it could also, you know, if Steph misses two weeks, they're done. And if they if they're done, Draymond is packing it in. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's he's one of these guys too. At this point in his career, really does kind of preserve it for the playoffs anyway. If they ain't coming, um, that's interesting. What about Kawhi? That's an interesting one. It won't be out of his mouth, but it'll be out of you know Uncle Dennis and some of these other guys. Some people, I mean, Nathan Mark points out. Everybody is going to be a body language expert when it comes to the Clippers this season. Everybody's going to be watching to see what the chemistry looks like and whether this team has gelled more. Oh, that's interesting. Could be Victor Oladipo. That's an interesting one from Travis Tango. The thing about Deep is like, is he at that level anymore? Where like, if he doesn't come back and look like Victor Oladipo. Is is it the same kind of thing? Yeah. He's more of just like a sort of a problematic guy that is more dismissible, you know, than you know when when Kyrie or or, or you know or okay. Or this Hart isn't this is interesting. Carl Anthony Towns. Ooh, if if Cat is unhappy, that could be really interesting. 
that could – I mean, he's under contract for a while, but that could be a really interesting case. You know what? At, I, at this point, Carl Anthony Towns can do whatever he wants. The, the stuff that that guy has gone through this year with yeah. COVID and his family, I, know. I, I would not – I mean, I you know maybe I hope things work out. I mean, I like I I am a person who likes there to be as many good franchises in the NBA as possible. I think it's good for the league. Um, yes. it's it's good for those fan bases. Whatever. Maybe you know the new crew in Minnesota can make it work again. Yeah, I mean, but if they can't. Angela Russell's his best friend, so that's definitely right. If they can't, fuck. I mean, who could blame Towns for? I, I just. Like you said, with everything he's been through, I would love for him just to have an enjoyable year. I mean, because my God, that guy deserves it. Yeah. Both his parents and I think four other members of his six members total of his family that have died of COVID. I, I don't know about both parents. I know I it was mother. both parents. I know his mom. I thought it was his dad. There's I, mean, been a lot dad. I know his dad was sick. I mean, there's been a lot of people in his family sick or dying. I don't recall off the top of my head his <laughs> father. I know his mother. And it's brutal. Yeah. It's just been hearing him talk about this experience is gut wrenching. It's just horrible. So um, it would be nice. Great. It's a really good question, though, because, you know, and like everybody does a little Anthony Davis, like you can't force. I think what guys are learning is like you can't be the good guy and get what you want. If you want, uh, yeah, Travis pointing out mom, aunt, and others in his family is what he said. Thank you for, yes. for the clarification there. Um, you can't, yeah, Quinn points out dad got better. He had it and, and recovered. Um, you can't, you can't get what you want in this situation and still stay the good guy. Doesn't work that way. Like if you want to, if you want to force your way out of, of of the city you're in, and leverage the influence that you have, and get to the place that you want to go, like Anthony Davis did in New Orleans, then you have to understand I'm never going to be a popular person in New Orleans. No, ever. but but there are ways though that you can, and this is something I know. Like Ramona Shelburne recently was talking about on one of the ESPN shows. It might have been the Jump, but the idea of help me help you, you know, like with with Harden making this so adversarial, like. Oh, right. Chris Paul, for example, in OKC last year, you know, we, we've talked to people. We know that he actually enjoyed the experience, maybe more than he expected, but he definitely enjoyed it. And he really, in particular, appreciated the way the Thunder franchise treated him. And then he eventually got moved to Phoenix, which is something that he wanted. Everybody involved got out of that what they wanted mm -hmm. because they all worked together. And it was a really, I, I thought it was a really instructive, great example of how you can have a franchise and a player who decide, let's put a premium on professionalism. But, it's, but you know what? But the, the only thing I would say to that is it's a different deal uh, because Chris Paul was older. There was sort of the, it, it is different than Anthony Davis forcing his way out or, di you know, different stars forcing their way out in their prime. I, I, meant, I meant specifically compared to James Harden. Oh, no, no. Don't get me wrong. You can do it in it's it's very difficult to do it in a way that that where you stay popular, where you aren't the bad guy a little bit. It's really, but that does, that doesn't mean there aren't degrees. Like you can, yeah. you know, the James Harden way. Well, there's the difference there's like though between minimal damage and the James Harden. But there's way. also the difference between Harden and AD. You know, outside of the fact that you know AD made it very clear he wanted out, but he didn't become truly. I'm not going to say he wasn't disruptive because he he was in his own right a disruptive force. I don't think he was as unprofessional as James Harden has been. But also, too, James Harden has had a lot of power within that organization. And oh, the, moves, the moves that he ultimately is expressing unhappiness about are all moves that he not only signed off on, he requested. Like, these are things that he wanted. So... In some ways, I, I I feel like James Harden has gone about the gone about this in ways that even acknowledging the disruption that Anthony Davis caused two seasons ago with the Pelicans, and that's undeniable. It's not the same thing. It's not. And as Quinn points out here, the other thing that Quinn Better points out here on the chat, like the other thing that matters in this conversation is the context of the team. Yes. The shittier your team is for longer, the more similar. I'm not saying there aren't degrees to this. But you are, you know, you're if you're if your fan base, you're just on a god awful team for five, six, seven years, and this works in favor of Carl Anthony Towns. 
regardless of whether or not you think how how responsible he is for not getting better, it's whatever, he's really effing good. Um, the the crappier your team is for longer, the more leeway you have to force your way out. There's no question about that. And Harden's been on really good teams for his entire time in Houston. Some of that's because of him, but it's also because they keep putting good players around him. Yeah. And every superstar, it's not working out. Like at some point, got to be at least a little bit you. Maybe don't go to the strip club while your team is practicing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, it's don't be an asshole. Like that's like I, we have one. We have one basic rule that we teach the kids in our house. We do not have a lot of rules. My wife and I are not disciplined enough to keep up with them. We've got too much going on, particularly now. We basically just have one rule, and it applies very neatly to almost everything. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> and, yeah. and that is our rule. I mean, it's not a bad rule. We don't always phrase it that way to them, but that's basically the rule. Don't be an asshole. James Harden, you can get what you want. You want to leave Houston, things are different. I, I get it. It's fine. Okay. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. And they, that's what he's being. Kyrie, don't be an asshole. You can make yeah. your point. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. Anyway. Speaking of people who are not assholes, <laughs> I'll bite where you're going with this. <laughs> Coming up next week on the late night happy hour. <laughs> okay, that's good. These are nice people. Yeah. They are. Uh, Sean Hyken, who was supposed to come on tonight, uh, was, be, became a victim of the ever changing uh, media landscape. Uh, where you suddenly find out, oh, we are allowed in the building. And so he was uh, working tonight. Uh, the Blazers were playing their first preseason game, so he was uh, working. He will join us on Monday. David Hill, author and gambler. Yes. Yeah. He's got a great podcast series right now for The Ringer called uh, The Gambler about different professional gamblers in games ranging from poker to gin rummy to horse racing. Gin rummy? You know, gin rummy. Yes. Huh. Yes. Um, it's a really great podcast series. Um, we're going to have him on Tuesday. Where yeah. I'm very excited to talk about this. I plan on asking him if he could break down when I should know if I should walk away and when I should run. I'm sure he's never gotten that one before. Nope. It's like when uh, Ian Anderson, the pitcher for the uh, for the uh, Braves in the playoffs, got all the Jethro Tull references. Like, yeah. Never yeah, heard of that. Thought that was hilarious. Yeah, the seventy third time I've been asked that today. Um, so Jordan Rodriguez is going to join us on Wednesday. She is always fantastic, um, and uh, Brian Curtis from the Ringer on Thursday is we got a fun week coming up. So yeah, uh, these really, are all really good week. who are are not not assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a sales pitch. That is not a three out of ten seg, Nathan Mark. That was like a. Four. <laughs> Four and a half. Any who's it? Good question. When is Ben Lyons coming back? We're, we're waiting for the next anniversary. Ben, ben is our anniversary or milestone designated guest. Like we, we, we like having Ben on when we hit certain milestones because Ben was the first guest we ever had um, during the inception of the show when we were with 710 ESPN. And then when we went indie, um, Ben was the first guest then. And then we we had another milestone. I don't remember what it was, but Ben came on again. So Ben has become just like the way David Letterman used to have Bill Murray on mm -hmm. for different milestones. Because for people who don't know, Bill Murray was David Letterman's first guest in the original late, late night show that he did for NBC. Then when he moved over to CBS, Bill Murray was the first guest there. So Ben Lyons is our Bill Murray. And we're very excited about that. We love so, that. So by the that. way, people are, are like a couple of people, like, hey, what about this guy? You know, a couple of people suggested Sam Svendiari, who actually has been on our show before. And last time we we had invited him back, he, the night he we could he couldn't do that night. Um, send us suggestions. Yes. Like, we love like, yes. people that you guys want to hear. Uh, send us those suggestions. Uh, Kamenetsky Brothers at Gmail. Leave us at Twitter. Whatever it is. Um, so yes, our, so. our email address. Can we? Yes. We, we can. We just have chosen not to get Barack Obama. <laughs> um, Ether accepted his invite. 
pending. If you go to our Twitter handle at Cam Brothers, you can leave it there, or our email address, Brothers at gmail.com, is, is on there too. And send us suggestions. If there are people that you guys want to hear from, we'll try. Um, we, we'll, we will definitely try. And keeping in mind now too, if, you know, they don't necessarily have to stay up until two in the morning to do the show because we can tape some stuff and do do that as well. Um, all right. So everybody have a great weekend. We will be back on Monday talking NBA with Sean Hyken. Uh, and that is all that I have to say about that. All right. Maybe. See everybody okay. then. Don't you need a lunch.